your number one source for election coverage and analysis. This is Gerard at Large. It is 26 minutes after the hour here on the Gerard at Large radio show. And thanks to the fast fingers of our control room operator, Josh. By the way, we're looking for his replacement. Would somebody please call and say you'd like to get up with me at oh dark 30 in the morning and run this show? <laughs> yeah, he found an article. The Bow Power Plant would fetch $75 million. Wow. We spent $450 million on state-required pollution control, and now we're going to sell it for $75 million. Now, because I'm not into Common Core math, I'm just going to divide 75 by 450, and we're getting 17, not even 17 cents on the dollar for the improvements to the plant, never mind the actual value of the plant, and this is good for consumers. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the savings and loan crisis back in the mid-90s, you know, when I was standing with Mayor Wazorek in the campaign headquarters he had downtown, watching the FDIC walk up the street literally from the then, well, I was probably what, uh, wasn't, it wasn't Amiskeg Bank, who bought Amiskeg? First, uh, First New Hampshire, something like that, I forget, I forget what the name of it was, ultimately became Citizens. Yeah. First NH Bank, I think it was. Anyway, watch them walk up after they locked the doors there into the old Bank East building. Uh, it was uh, lock the doors there. And I just remember Wazork, it's, it's literally, and they, we had these big plate glass windows on the second floor uh, that basically went from floor to ceiling, just watching it. And I, I'll, I'll never forget it. He just, he, he was just standing there watching him. He shook his head and he said, that's not good. And we all remember what happened to the tax base in the city of Manchester as the FDIC was forcing the sale of properties, uh, you know, for pennies on the dollar. I think they on average went for 30 cents on the dollar and it just devastated the city's tax base. I mean, it was like a sledgehammer pounding it. No matter what we did, it went down. And uh, so that was not really good for consumers, was it? (laughs) So here's the state. Oh, look at that. $75 million prize for a place we just dumped $450 million into. Somebody choked the guy who does that math. Anyway, Josh will link that uh, that um, uh, that article to the uh, archive of the last segment. But I have prattled on much too long now. Joining us now is Albert MacArthur Jr. He's a Republican running for state representative in Manchester's Ward 8 to fill the vacancy created by the death of former Rep. Steve Valancourt. He's up against school board member Erica Connors, who will be on the ballot twice, once for state rep and once for uh, a school board, she's running for re-election to the school board, and uh, he defeated, uh-oh, Andy Parent, I think was his name, right? Correct. A Manchester fireman, um, pretty uh, by a pretty healthy margin in a primary. It was four hundred to three hundred and twenty. Correct. Right. right. So that's a, it's a that's a solid win uh, for a newcomer over a fellow who had a little more name ID and in, in the backing of the firefighters union. Um, in the Republican primary. So I guess it uh, I guess you're well on your way to putting the citizen back in the citizen legislature. So, Albert, welcome back to the show. Hi, right, Thank you for having me. So you um, uh, why don't you tell a little again, tell people who you are a little bit about yourself personally, and professionally, and then we'll be on to talk about uh, what's happening in the state. There are a lot of crazy things happening in the state now. And I, I, you know, you can weigh in on what you want or otherwise tell people about your campaign. So go. Hi, hi. Uh, my name is Albert MacArthur Jr. I'm a state rep candidate for Ward 8 in Manchester. 
I drive tractor trailer for a living. Uh, I also do a lot of instruction with firearms and personal safety. That's something I'm really passionate about. I got into this because I just wanted to see if I can make a difference up there because there's, there's just too much nonsense. And working with the Republican governor and Republican-controlled House, I think we can get a lot of good stuff done. All right. So, you know, and, and there, are, um, there are folks uh, who take a look at, say, the Republican governor and, uh, you know, point to some not-so-very-Republican things that he's done, such as the expansion of kindergarten, um, et cetera, et cetera. So in those areas where – the governor or the House leadership or whatnot may not be on board with the conservative position. Are, uh, how are you going to play on that? I mean, do you, are, are your loyalties to the issues or your loyalties to the people in power? My loyalty is going to be to the people in Ward 8 of Manchester because they're the ones that hopefully will vote to send me up there. Uh, not every candidate has positions that will agree on 100%. Uh, I don't agree with the expanded kindergarten. But if the people in my ward, if that's something that they're for, then you know I'm elected to be their voice. So I will do my best to be that voice and portray their thoughts up there in Concord. But, you know, that, that kind of begs a question because there's this age-old debate about the role of an elected representative. Is it to vote the way the most uh, – vote the way of the majority of their mail or phone calls, or is it to represent the positions that they campaigned on? So I, and, and I'm going to go philosophical on you for a second here. You're, we'll talk about your positions on guns, but for the sake of this argument, right, obviously you're a Second Amendment advocate. Well, what if uh, something happened and there was a groundswell of support from Ward 8 for gun control bill that you just fundamentally – um, didn't believe was the right thing to do for any variety of reasons from its lack of constitutionality to uh, it won't address the problem, whatever the case may be. In that situation, do you represent you know, your positions and your point of views, the things that you shared with voters at the time you were running? Or do you say, wow, a recent poll done by whoever in my ward shows that 85% of the people want this bill, which I don't agree with? Well, what I'd have to do at that point is fall back on what I uh, campaigned on because I can take what the people are saying, analyze it, and, and make an informed decision from there. But when we talk about – you brought up the, uh, the example of the Second Amendment. That's non-negotiable. That's part of the United States Constitution, and I believe if I get elected, I will need to – swear an oath, a loyalty oath, not only to the state, but to defend the U.S. Constitution at the same time. Am I correct? Right. Well, then that's kind of where I'm bound right there. Gotcha. So, and, and I think that's an important uh, d- discussion because, you know, I, I have been and am an, an elected representative, and certainly I make my views known, and, you know, I, I take winning an election more or less as an endorsement of the things that um, – I campaigned on and permission from the voters to pursue those issues or to hold those positions. But not everything that comes before uh, a state legislator, a school board member, an alderman, a town councilor, a member of the board of selectmen, whatever, 
is something that you can anticipate, and not everything uh, rises and falls on those bedrock principles of A, B, C, and D. So there is room for an elected official to have dialogue with their constituencies on matters that were not anticipated or otherwise outside of the realm of, um, you know, those uh, expressed core values. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You can't, you can't be so steadfast that you're unmovable or unwilling to, to listen to differences of opinion. You know, you have to be a little bit flexible. Um, I'm, I'm running on my set principles, but I'm open to listen to what other people have to say as well. Gotcha. So here's what we're going to do, because I think we're uh, bumping up against the break, at least by my clock. I'm going to go to the break now, just a little bit early, for traffic, weather, and sports. And when we come back, we'll talk with uh, Albert MacArthur Jr., or as he says, MacArthur. Yeah. <laughs> Albert MacArthur, right? Because, you know, I know the Scots, with their Macs, don't like to be abbreviated so that they sound like the Irish with their mix. Yes. <laughs> right? So the mix, the max, you know. <laughs> Do you have a kilt? No. <laughs> You're not going to be doing, not going to be doing a, what is it, dot com, you know, where you, you go from wearing the, the, the kilt to the later hosen or the later hosen. Nah, to the, no, no, not, not. <laughs> I don't have the legs for it. <laughs> Any relation to, the, to General MacArthur? Yes. Really? Yes. It's a distant relationship, but yes, there is. Uh, so, is he? What, what is he? Is like a, a cousin, great grandson, fifth great cousin, or it's fifth or sixth great cousin? I mean, it's not. So you're fifth you or six. You're your cousins, but you're fifth or sixth. It's, yeah, it's it's not. Uh, we're not the. You know, he, he's not my uncle or my father, uh, my grandfather, right. or something like that. But, but somewhere in the bloodline, there was a direct relative of a, a direct. Uh, that's what uh, I've been told. Yes. Why am I uh, ancestor? There was a direct yes. ancestor of yours who was what brother, sister, yes, to a direct ancestor of his. Yes. How cool is that? <laughs> All right, this apple fell from a great general's tree. We're going to take a break for traffic, weather, and sports. When we come back, we'll speak more with uh, Albert MacArthur Jr. He's running for state rep in Manchester Ward Eight. We'll get on to what he what he believes the issues are and what he'll do about them if elected in a special election this November seventh seventh at uh, in Manchester Ward 8. Stay with us.